0: and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Amen. If you've got your Bible, uh, Acts chapter 7, and we're going to pick it up in 23, as, as Pastor Matt just read. Uh, but I, but I want to jump in this morning. This, this summer, uh, Stephanie and I, we, we had the opportunity to, uh, to watch uh, Hamilton uh, on Disney+. Plus. And, and and so we, you know, Lynn Manuel Miranda, our, the dude already kind of blows me away with with his talent. But we had seen him in uh, in, uh, in 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 the Heights years ago uh, when when Steph and I went to New York City, uh, and it, it is unbelievable how many how many lines uh, he can slip into a, in a, like one song. Uh, I I looked it up, and on Not Gonna Waste My Shot, there's 1,100 words. (laughs) And and then you realize uh, it's not just one song. It is song after song after song and and scene after scene. Uh, And it's incredible. But as as the story of Hamilton unfolds, you 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 realize that as as much as is uh, some would want to maintain this this narrative and and just kind of paint in really broad brushstrokes uh, about our our founding fathers that they were they were heroes that they were history makers which which let me be clear they were um, we forget that they were also flawed men who who failed and who made many. Uh, many mistakes. And last week, we, we talked about not idolizing people. We talked about uh, not idolizing people, but, but realizing that the greatest, the greatest people used by God were, were imperfect people whose, whose lives were pointing to Jesus. Amen? I don't know if y'all were with me this morning. We may need another train to come by to, to wake us up a little bit. So, so here, here's the question what about you have have as as we jump into act seven uh, have you been missing maybe you've been missing have you been missing some of of the the biblical pieces uh to rightly discern why we study and hold up these biblical figures Y'all with me this morning? Maybe, maybe, maybe to, uh, you know, have you rightly discerned what the purpose of the law really is? Church, Moses is absolutely shown to be a Christ figure in the Old Testament, right? Uh, there's, there's no doubt that Moses was this Christ figure, and we're going to see this in this passage this morning. He was a man that was set apart by God. He was, he was rejected by, by his own people, but ultimately raised up to bring deliverance. And, and the author of Hebrews even recognizes this when he talks about, he speaks of Jesus as the greater Moses. And so he is paying homage to, to the person and the work of Moses. But in the famous words of, of Christian hip-hop artist Shy Lin, Moses wasn't good enough. It's only Jesus. If you haven't heard that song, go look it up. The people idolized Moses, but there was a Moses that they that they had missed. They idolized him, but there was there was a Moses that they had missed a a flawed man whose ultimate role was to point to another deliverer who was to come. And and so so really question is, Christian, does does your life do the same? Does your life point to another deliverer? As we jump in this morning, here, here's my. Uh, we got. There's, there's three things that we're going to look at in regard to the Moses they miss. Full disclosure: uh, Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday, I, I connected with our office uh, manager to change the, uh, the first point of my sermon. Uh, and all 550 or 600 bulletins had already been printed. <laughs> so uh, here, here's the first point I want to make. This, this is the Moses they missed. It's not going to match up with what you have in your bulletin. Um, they missed my way, Moses. They missed my way, Moses. Uh, if you got, you got a neighbor next to you, which I think you do, I want you to look at Adam and say, my way. my way. Okay, look at your other neighbor and say, my way, some of y'all said that with a little bit of an attitude. So, so just like Moses. So he, l- let me let me create a little context. Or not create, it's the context. It's there. Uh, in in Acts 6.11, Stephen is, is being he's being he's being faced with this charge of blasphemy, uh, blasphemous words against Moses. Uh, against God, but they, they make a point to say also against Moses. And then in Acts 6, 13-14, they, they were saying that, that Stephen was telling them that Jesus was going to come in and destroy this place, the, their place of worship, the temple, and change the customs that had been delivered by Moses. And so Stephen, uh, he's got this angry mob and they're about to take his life. Exodus 2, as we, as we, as we dive in, uh, let's look at verses 23 through 28. And we're going to look at my way, Moses. It says, when he was 40 years old, verse 23, it came in his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man. He avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand and on the following day he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them saying men your brothers why do you wrong each other verse 27 but the man who was was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside saying who made you a ruler and a judge over us do you want to kill me as you killed the egyptian yesterday see exodus 2 doesn't it doesn't reveal moses uh, his age when this series of events transpired but but stephen uh, following Jewish tradition, mentions that Moses was 40 years old. Now, here's the deal. I was going to give you a little insight into my mind, which is a scary place. Uh, I, I don't know why my mind goes this, this, like this direction, but uh, may, maybe it's because I'm a 40-year-old man. Uh, but, but I'm reminded of Mike Gundy. Uh, Mike Gundy, uh, who, who was the mullet-rocking uh, Oklahoma State football coach, uh, still is. Uh, there, there, was, there was an incident years ago. How, how many of you have seen uh, Mike Gundy's interview where, okay, okay, all right, this, then this is going to be a treat. This is going to be a delight for you guys, okay? Um, so, so Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State football coach, years ago is in a session with reporters and he, he goes off on them for this disparaging article that they had written about one of his players. And in the middle of this media session, he's like challenging reporters, uh, and, he, and he repeats these famous lines, and he says, come after me, I, I'm, I'm a man, I'm 40. And so I don't know if Moses was rocking a mullet, but this was his I'm a man, I'm 40 moment, okay? Okay. Uh, verse 23 says that it came into his heart, uh, which is a Greek idiom meaning to, to, to rise, arise in the heart. It's, it's equivalent to our expression, the thought occurred to me. So the thought occurred to him. Uh, and, and so Moses decides to, to visit his Israelite brethren. So, so he, he cruises out. And, and David Peterson says this about that, that, that this word visit. Uh, more than the conventional sense of visit is implied by the verb here. Moses intends to come out of his royal environment, out of all this Egyptian sort of luxury that he had been living in, not only to see, but to assist his fellow Israelites. So Moses, like, this is, he, he's going to come out and reveal himself as the great leader, he's going to reveal himself as the great savior of, of Israel. But here's the thing: Moses thought that he understood his, his role uh, to the people, as savior to the people, but he ends up taking matters into his own hands as, as you look at the text, after witnessing an Egyptian abusing one of his Israelite brothers, Moses ends up killing the oppressor. In the Greek, that word for striking, y'all, that's, that's, that, that's a death blow. So he, he kills this dude. But instead of, check this out, instead of cueing the royal music and the red carpet and everybody going, oh my gosh, Moses, our deliverer, our Savior, is here to rescue the day. The text says that they thrust him aside. And, I, you know, I, I read a, a lot of commentaries each week as, as, I'm, as I'm rolling through the passage. And I, I, I read where a commentator said this. He said, his fellow Israelites were slow to recognize him as their deliverer. You think? This was shown on the occasion when he presented himself to, to them as their champion. After he was fully grown, 40-year-old man, I'm man, I'm 40, but uh, doesn't say that in the text. But his intervention on their behalf was not appreciated. Like, as I read that, I'm like, no, what, what, no, I, I don't believe that's what's going on and what's going down in this passage. Yes, Moses was being raised up as as ruler and as as redeemer. We we see that in verse 35. But Moses, y'all, of all people. Moses would come to understand that you can't accomplish God's purposes in your own strength and in your own timing. I don't know if if y'all heard me this morning. Moses of all people understood that you cannot accomplish God's purposes in your own strength and in your own timing he learned the hard way by trying to take the mantle take on this mantle of Israel's redeemer and their their reconciler uh, in his own power this was this was my way Moses this was my way Moses and his plan completely backfired and 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 here's here's a little application for us church family Christian here's the deal if we 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 don't we don't like being dependent right We, like, we, just, we don't like being dependent. We're, we are impatient. We don't like to wait on God's timing. We don't like to rest uh, and, and, and rely on his power. But, but things work so much better. Things work so much better when the created allows the creator to take the lead. Amen? So much better. We have to fight this tendency that we all have. You're like, I don't have. Yes, you do. We all have to hijack. We want to hijack the reins from God. And and I firmly, hear me, I firmly believe Ephesians 2.10 that that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them like I, I firmly believe that as a follower of Jesus there are unique there are unique works that God wants you to accomplish there's a mission that God has prepared for you before time to accomplish for his glory for, for, for the sake of the gospel, things that only you can do. But, but I also believe that God will keep you in a holding pattern so long as you are doubling down on My way. I believe God will keep you in that holding pattern for as long as it takes, as long as you're doubling down on, hey, God, it's My way. And if you... that's you if you if you feel stuck if if you're if you're in that holding pattern maybe maybe you're in that holding pattern right now you're gonna have to step back you're gonna have to step back and ask his have I been trying to accomplish things in my own power and in my own timing and hear me like these these may be good things These may be God things, things that God is raising up, just like it was in the case of Moses. But hear me, check this out, the revelation of God's calling, or even if God reveals the mission to you, Christian, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be 100% dependent upon His presence and His provision and His timing. Amen? I don't know if you're all hearing me this morning. It's a journey and and we overestimate, we so overestimate what we can do in a short amount of time in our own strength. We overestimate what we can do in a short amount of time in our own strength, but we underestimate what God can do over a lifetime of faithful dependence upon him. Second thing this morning, the, 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 this aspect of Moses that, that these guys missed is they're ready to kill Stephen. They, they missed Moses the runner. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, runner. runner. Look at your other neighbor and say, runner. runner. You're not challenging him to a race, okay? Moses the runner, 29-34, through 34, it says this. At this time... At this retort, Moses fled, and he became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness at Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and he drew near to look. There came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare look. Verse 33, Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you into Egypt. The second thing that they missed was Moses the runner. Verse 29 tells us that Moses fled. Uh, I looked up the Greek word. It means to move quickly from a point or an area to avoid, uh, in order to avoid presumed danger or difficulty to run away. But I I can't even make this up. The the Greek word is fuego. (laughs) So like dude dude took off because things were hot, okay? Um, There you go. Greek word of the day. In verse twenty-nine, reveals that he became an exile in the land of Midian, an exile in the land of Midian. Midian lie it lied to the south in, in what today is is the western part of Saudi Arabia. Now the text tells us that he was an exile in Midian. He was a stranger. He was a sojourner. He was uh, this idea of he was a temporary resident. But let this sink in. Moses settled down in Midian for 40 more years. 40 years. He had a wife. He had had a family. Like, Midian had not become some temporary uh, pit stop, Midian had become his home. And I, I, like, this is me, right? I tend to believe that without God's intervention, Moses would have died an old man in Midian. And Israel would have remained in Egypt in slavery and in bondage. Then you fast forward 40 years later in, in verse 30. And God miraculously appears to Moses in this burning bush that doesn't burn up. And He reveals Himself as the God of His fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and God was showing that even despite... Check this out. Even despite Moses being on the run, God was going to be faithful to His promise. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. God was showing that even... As Moses was on the run, God was still faithful to His promise. And once again, you see God meeting His people outside the Holy Land. We talked about this last week. God God reared and raised up Moses in Egypt. And then He fled to Midian. And then He was commissioned at Mount Sinai. We said this last week. Holy ground is wherever God meets His people. Amen? Amen? William Cowper, who wrote, uh, he's a hymn writer, who wrote, there's a fountain filled with blood, said, said this. He wrote, Jesus, wherever thy people meet, there they behold thy mercy seat. Wherever they seek thee, thou art found in every place is hallowed ground. Now, connect, church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to connect all of this back to Stephen, as he faced his accusers. Why? why was it so important for him to recount this story of Moses in front of this angry mob of Israelites? And here's, here's the answer to the why. Because to preach that Jesus was going to take down the temple, or that the temple needed to be torn down and replaced, wasn't blasphemy if God's presence was never confined to Jerusalem. It wasn't blasphemy if God's presence wasn't confined to a specific structure in Jerusalem to begin with. And so, let's drop some application here. What what does this mean for us, church fam? A couple of things. God met Moses, number one, while he was on the run. God met Moses while he was on the run. Number two, he met Moses in the middle of the wilderness. F.F. Bruce says that no place is too def- desolate for the presence of God. No place is too desolate for the presence of God. God met Moses while he was on the run in the wilderness. I was talking to Steph, uh, my bride, last week, and, and we were, it's been a crazy past few weeks for us. Uh, the kids, uh, our four boys, are all uh, back in school. We've had all kinds of crazy house projects going on at, at the Casa, like floors being ripped up uh, late, late nights. And Steph last week confessed to me that Rue, uh, our daughter, uh, Rue asked her to play hide and seek. And so Steph agreed. And so Rue ran off. And then Steph just kind of laid down on her bed, you know. just like, just close my eyes for just a minute. She did eventually find her, um, no judgment, because here's, here's the deal. I've sent the boys off a time or two to hide while daddy closed his eyes for just a minute, okay? But here's what I want you to hear this morning. Unlike, unlike earthly, tired, worn out, fallible parents, God actually seeks his kids when they hide and run. God actually seeks out His kids when they hide and they run. And you may be here this morning, and you may be running from God. Hear me. You may be here, and you may be running from God. And for some of you, it might have turned into more than a temporary pit stop, right? You set up camp in Midian, and you may find yourself in the wilderness, and you may find yourself in, in this barren place, and you may think that you're too far gone. Like, you may think that your failure, has, it disqualifies you from whatever God had for you or has for you, but this morning, you need to know that God will meet you where you are, and there is, there is no runner beyond God's reach, Amen. There's no runner beyond God's reach. And the question is, will you answer his call? <laughs> no, you, you may not be Moses. God may not be uh, raising you up as his instrument for redeeming an entire nation. Maybe, I don't know. But you are an image bearer of almighty God. You are an image bearer of almighty God and he sees you. As you look at this text, there's no doubt He sees your affliction. And He has heard your cries. And He wants to save you and set you apart for His purposes and His glory. And, and, and here's the thing. The people of Stephen's day, they didn't even realize that they were on the run from God. See, they were, they were in the land, right? They were in the promised land. But they might as well have been in the wilderness, because they were subjugated to the power of Rome. They were under Roman oppression. But yet God in His grace had found them while they were on the run. Third thing this morning. Third thing that, that the people missed that day. And, and, and we're going to unpack this one because at first thought you think, wait, I, I thought they understood this. but They didn't. They missed Moses the lawgiver. They missed Moses, the lawgiver. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Lawgiver. lawgiver. Look at your other neighbor and say, Lawgiver. lawgiver. <laughs> Verse 35-40 through 40 says this, This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. We'll come back to that. Verse 38, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai And with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us and our fathers refused to obey him but thrust him aside and in their hearts they turned to Egypt saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. And I'll stop right there. They missed Moses, the lawgiver. See, through the once rejected Moses, and we see that in verse 35, God was redeeming his people from slavery from Egypt. Through Moses, God raised up signs and wonders. And through Moses, God delivered the law. But the people turned away. They turned away from God. They turned away from Moses. They, they, they chose idols over what the text says are the, the were the living. Oracles given by Moses. And at this point, you might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, didn't they, didn't they already, didn't they know that Moses? Didn't they? They, they knew that Moses was the lawgiver. Even in Stephen's day, didn't they know that? And you'd be right. But, but here's what we need to understand: they understood that Moses had given the law, they just didn't understand the purpose of the law. In fact, they saw the law as as something, check this out, they saw the law as something to manipulate and use for their self-glory and for their own advantage. They tried to manipulate the law and use it. I I came across this story this week, I I thought it was funny, and, and, and I wanted to share that years back, there was a story about a student at Cambridge University in England who entered the classroom on exam day and he asked the proctor to bring him cakes and ale. <laughs> he told the proctor, the guy administering the exam, bring me some cakes and ale. Don't try that this week, students. The proctor refused, expressing astonishment at the young man's audacity. And at this point, the student read from the 400-year-old laws of Cambridge, which were written in Latin, and still somewhat in effect, the passage read by the the student said, gentlemen sitting for examinations may request and require cakes and ale. (laughs) So the proctor was forced to comply. Pepsi and hamburgers were deemed to be the modern-day equivalent. So the necessary accommodations were made for the students. After all, all, the law was on his side. Three weeks later, the student was summoned to the Office of Academic Affairs to face disciplinary action and was assessed a fine of five pounds, $7.50 to cover the hamburger, the cost of the meal. He was not fined for demanding cakes and ale but for blatantly disregarding another obscure cambridge law he had failed to wear a sword to examination that day (laughs) don't try that students so church church family hear me the law was far less about regulations to be manipulated and far more about revelation to be magnified Let me say that again. The law was far less about regulations to be used and manipulated and far more about revelation to be magnified. See, the law reveals three things. When you you open up the law and when you hold it over your life, you apply it to your life, the law reveals three things. One, it reveals the righteous standard of God. Number two, it reveals sin. (laughs) And our inability... To meet the righteous standard of God. Number three, it reveals our need for mercy and our need for the rescue of God. That's why Paul would say in Galatians, Galatians three, twenty-four through twenty-five, he said, So then the law was our guardian. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Verse 25 of Galatians 3. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, Paul says. See, no doubt, this is what this, this is this was the most important thing that these angry Israelites missed about Moses. Moses was pointing to Christ. That's what verse 37 tells us. Stephen says, This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. Thomas Constable says, By insisting on the finality of the Mosaic law so strongly as they did, Stephen's hearers were in danger of repudiating what what Moses had prophesied about this coming prophet. Church, the law was just meant to be a guide. Amen? The law was just meant to be a guide. It was never meant to be the final destination. And I'll, 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 close, I'll close with this this morning. Years ago, uh, just just before my la- my last year at AM, and my my family and I, we took a trip to New York. and And I say this because we... We just celebrated the, the 19 year anniversary of 9-11. And in July of 01, I had the opportunity to go to New York City, to the top of the World Trade Center, just two months before the terrorist attacks. And as my family, as we, as we made the ascent up to the top of one of the towers, we were, we were led by a guide who told us all about the tower. Dude told us all about the tower. As we got on the elevator, he gave us all the pertinent information. He gave us the, the history behind the tower. He, he talked about the work that went into constructing and completing the towers. But let me tell you something. I don't remember that guide's face. I don't remember that guy. I don't remember his name. I don't even remember all the details of that day. What I remember is standing on the top of that observation deck more than 1,300 feet above ground, looking out over the vastness of New York City and having my, my breath taken away. It wasn't about the guide. It was about the glory of the building. Wasn't about the guide, it was about the glory of the building church. It's not about Moses, it's not about the law. They were just guides leading us to the glory of Christ. Not hope. Your hope of redemption was never meant to be the law. Amen. It was always Jesus. Always. Jesus is the only one who can rescue and redeem us and bring real freedom. Galatians 5.1 is for freedom, therefore that you've been set free. Therefore stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is God's heart for you. I don't know if you're hearing this. This is God's heart for you. Freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from shame. Freedom from the weight of falling short of the law's standard. But it's not on your terms. It's on God's terms. Only on God's terms. It's through Christ. I mean, if you've been on the fence with Jesus, what's the holdup? If you've been on the fence with Jesus, what is holding you back from receiving His free gift of grace and free gift of salvation life is not found in traditions it's not found in religious road in religious systems life is found in a relationship with jesus christ y'all pray with me this morning